0: Welcome to the Inside Out Money Podcast.
1: Can't even recognize this place Too many pieces of our past mistakes.
0: Hi, I'm Maggie, and I believe real change starts from the inside out. So let's work together to improve our money and our lives from the inside out. We will explore all things money and our relationship with it. Join me each week with a rotating set of co hosts, friends, and interviews. Let's jump in. Hey, Liz. Hi, Maggie. What's up? What's up? <laughs> this is our second episode. Very exciting.
1: It is exciting. Second episode, best episode.
0: Yeah. I was recording with Andrew two nights ago, I'm always like, can I talk about recording with the other podcast? Like, I feel like I'm having these individual relationships with different people. And then I shouldn't talk about, it's not true that I shouldn't talk about Andrew because Andrew talked about you.
1: Oh, I think it's totally fine. To, I mean, I listened to all the other episodes and I, I've been, uh, I was about to say I slid into Andrew's DMs, but that's not uh. what happened. <laughs> I I think that phrase can mean like just talking to
0: people, too, though it implies it's like Netflix and chill where you actually thought it meant Netflix and just hang out. So you realized that, like, I've heard people reference it. I'm like, I don't know if you know what that means, but
1: (laughs) yeah, I definitely meant it in the platonic sliding way. You slid into his platonic DMs. Exactly. His PTMs. Right, just to talk about riding bikes and things. And then he was like, "Oh, I'm listening to the podcast which is always like my pod gets Yeah, loaded. he binged. And, I know he told me that he binged listen to a bunch of your episodes. Yeah, I don't I I still I get still very just amazed that anyone actually listens and also that would want to listen to a bunch in a row like my 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 instinct is to be like oh sorry the sound quality isn't very good and like oh my gosh you're probably sick of my voice instead of hey you're welcome
0: <laughs> that's because you're a, a humble person and yeah you probably don't take compliments as well uh, I don't I'm this I'm similar like I'm not, I don't always know how to accept a compliment I usually like respond with a like a joke or something
1: yeah I tr- I'm trying to be better I try to just say thank you but it's every instinct is telling me to say something. it's not else. just
0: a joke I couldn't think of the words like I'll usually respond with something self-deprecating which is what you just did when you're right. like oh the sound quality is not great and mm-hmm Well, the thing I noticed on Andrew's episode that I've now decided is going to be a trend, it doesn't need to be for all of you, but it will be for me, is I'm wearing tie-dye, which wasn't even planned. I just, (laughs) I had a different tie-dye shirt on Tuesday night when Andrew and I were recording. And it turns out I'm just, and I was just wearing this shirt today too. And I was like, well, two days just by accident because I own and wear a lot of tie-dye. And now I'm going to actually make it a tradition. It'll be like my good luck charm of I can't record if I'm not
1: wearing tie-dye. Oh, I think that's really great. I feel like I'm wearing the anti tie dye because I'm wearing all black. That's okay. We need to balance each other out. Yeah. I'll drink tea every time we record, and that'll be my oh nice, my good luck tea. <laughs> tea and tie dye. <laughs> I got a spinoff idea here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, Liz, what are we talking about today?
1: Today we are talking about lifestyle inflation, AKA lifestyle creep. And so I have not been able to get the creep song out of my head all week. I know. You don't know. TLC. Creep. Creep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I actually was looking up the words to that to see if there was some good like money quotes or lessons from it.
1: Mm. And then I was like, no, there's not. Yeah. It's not about money at all. (laughs) (laughs) That's too bad. But we are going to talk about lifestyle inflation and lifestyle creep what it is, if it's good or bad, how you can avoid it if you think it's bad, how you can lean into it if you think it's good. So maybe we should just say first what lifestyle creep is. Yeah. What is lifestyle creep? So you
0: know what my favorite thing to do when I want to define a word is go to Google. Oh, I thought you
1: like to ask chat GPT now.
0: Oh, yeah. I do like to ask chat GPT. I like to ask chat G Geez, I can't even say it. Chat GPT. <laughs> what do those letters stand for, by the way?
1: Oh, I looked it up one time and now I can't remember.
0: I'm signed out of my, I just went to my chat GPT tab. I was going to say, I think I'm signed out of my account. Oh no, I'm still in. Let's ask it. What is lifestyle inflation? Okay. Oh, I love it. Lifestyle inflation, also known as lifestyle creep. like Yeah. Or lifestyle upgrading. It's like he was listening. She, I think she's a, girl by the way, but it's like she was listening to us. Okay. It refers to the tendency of individuals to increase their spending and consumption as their income rises. It's a phenomenon where people increase their expenses and upgrade their standard of living in response to an increase in their income or financial situation. That's the problem with chat GPT. Right now, like he she just repeated the same thing in two different mm. sentences so I'm gonna blame that on her, not me guys.
1: Yeah. Well she's not a real she's not a real person.
0: Yeah. I feel like she <laughs> is. Like we've been in each other's lives now in a meaningful way. So
1: You have a relationship.
0: I hope she can't hear you say she's not a real person because I also don't like to talk bad about Alexa in my house because I feel like, you know, sometimes the kids will yell at her and I'm like, sorry, Alexa,
1: like, (laughs) I know you couldn't hear them because they don't enunciate. That's fair. I think that's a really good definition. Some classic examples of lifestyle inflation would be you get a raise, you start going out to eat more, you buy a nicer car, you move into a nicer house maybe you start buying nicer clothing. And I actually remember getting a raise. I was pretty young in my early twenties. And I think, I think the raise was around $3,000 a year, which at the time was a 10% increase. And so I was feeling pretty baller, but w- we went out to dinner to celebrate my raise. And then I did the math and I was like, Oh, okay. That, like a $3,000 raise is I don't know. It ended up being like 70. After taxes. Right. And per paycheck, it ended up being like, you know, $70 paycheck or or something like that. And I was like, oh, I just spent the whole paychecks raise on this one dinner. (laughs) Yeah. In in one hour.
0: Yeah. Well, that, that to me is why lifestyle inflation can be dangerous. There's, there's good parts of it. We're going to talk about how our own lives have inflated. Again, the word inflated sounds bad, but whatever. But to me, the danger in lifestyle inflation is the fact that, using that promotion example you keep getting promotions but you keep spending more so let's say over a 10 year period you haven't made a single dollar more mm-hmm. because all you did was continue to make more and continue to spend more and essentially when what you have left is the difference you know between what you what you're able to save is the difference between what you make and what you spend and you've not made any more right? You went from $50,000 to $200,000 over a 10-year period. But if you're now spending it all, you might as well still be making $50,000 and have less stress in your life. Well, that's not Wait. true because you have more money to spend on things.
1: You have more things. But I think the downside is if you get used to those things, I meant to look up before we talked, if it's the hedonic treadmill or the hedonistic treadmill, I couldn't remember. Maybe you can ask ChatGPT. But the idea that you get nicer and nicer things, but they bring you less and less joy over time because you just get used to, it. Like the first time I flew in first class. I felt like I was literally a member of the royal family. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought this was the greatest thing that had ever happened. I don't fly first class all the time, but when I do, I'm like, oh, this is so nice. I I don't, I'm not like giddy about it. Like I was the first time. So if you, if you're making 50K, you go up to 200K, but you're spending all this money on a nicer house and a nicer car and et cetera, but you, it doesn't make you happy. It doesn't bring you like that kind of thrill. Yeah. Well, then you're, I think your point was like, you're no better off than when you were making 50K. Yeah. Because if your yes. lifestyle at 200K makes you the same level of happy as you were at 50K, then yes. you haven't really put yourself ahead.
0: Yeah. And when you were saying if it doesn't make you happy, I think it's also if it doesn't make it make you happier, right? right. Because you get to go on some cool trip and you got to fly first class, but ultimately you still went on the trip, right? If you mm-hmm. didn't fly first class. And many would argue, well, part, well, I don't know. First class is part of the experience of the whole trip. But mm-hmm. by the way it's the hedonic treadmill because okay. it's funny too. I've never just typed into chat GPT words. I usually ask a question and I just, to be quick, I just wrote in hedonistic treadmill <laughs> and it came back and said the hedonic treadmill and like, um. quote,
1: like it was correcting me. And I was like, oh, thank you. What did she say the hedonic treadmill is? What's her definition?
0: She said it's a psychological concept that describes the tendency of individuals to return to a relatively stable level of happiness or satisfaction after experiencing positive or negative life events. Right. And then it goes on to say people have a baseline of happiness, and, and I think it's that baseline of happiness. And you know, I'm, I'm sure you've heard this quoted a million times, but there's that study from 2010 that found that money only boosts happiness up to a point. And and the point they figured out was it was and again this was in twenty ten dollars so mm-hmm. equate this to twenty twenty three dollars mm-hmm. but said that about seventy five thousand dollars in annual earnings is that level and beyond that amount money had little impact on truly making you happier and and I often think about that with lifestyle inflation I often think about there are many things physical things and consumer goods and other things that truly do make me happy. And, and I believe, I don't believe happiness comes from stuff, but I do think there's a lot of things in my life that having them, I get enjoyment out of them and it's a true enjoyment. It's not an ego driven enjoyment, but I do understand that there's only so much of that that brings me happiness. And I sometimes look at people who have what I would consider ridiculous amounts of money or who spend lots and lots of money. And I look at them and they aren't happier. And they, many, many celebrities and other people have admitted that you know, they have all this stuff and wealth and like, they, they aren't happy. They're,
1: mm, yeah,
0: they, they've got a lot of, they're just, they're just not happy on the inside and they're not feeling great about a lot of things, even though on the outside, everything looks awesome.
1: Right. Because the hedonic treadmill just needs our brain adjust to whatever we have. Right. Like if I yeah. lived in a, I, I can guarantee you if I lived in a, I don't know, hundred million dollar mansion overlooking the ocean after I think it would take a while, but after a few years, you get used to that. It's just your normal thing. And I can tell you that I would start to find things that I didn't like about it. I'd be like, I wish that this window faced a different direction or I wish yeah. that this was like this.
0: Yeah. And you'd be around people who had bigger houses than you and yeah. you'd have yeah. some nice house facing the ocean. And then you'd say like, oh, well, and they have an even bigger house and a private chef and right. Yeah. And that's the keeping up with the Joneses mixed mixed in with some lifestyle inflation.
1: Right, right. I did just, by the way, look it up because I was wondering what 70K would be in today's dollars. And my gut, do you have a guess? I, my doing? gut was a hun- a little over 100. I was thinking around 100 too. Ooh, is it more? And it's 97K. Oh, really? so right we we're like right on. Very
0: close. And that's we'll get to it later. But that's about what my family spends in a year. And I feel like I have enough. But we'll talk about where I mean, part of that's like where it goes, like the fact that we don't have a mortgage anymore. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. Things about where our money is going. But
1: right Yeah, it's really interesting. I don't know if you remember, did you ever watch Orange is the New Black? Yes. So there was a moment when the main character, who was a very privileged white woman, cited the statistic of, you know, they say uh, Mm -hmm. anything over 70K doesn't make you happier. And one of the other women who had not lived the same privileged life that she did was like, well, that's a lot of money. And Piper goes, I mean, I guess. (laughs) And, yeah, I don't remember that scene
0: specifically, but that was an awesome show. And that's that's one of those shows I could go back and rewatch. Oh,
1: completely. When you're done with Gossip Girl, perhaps. Oh, man. Yeah, Gossip Girl's, like, changing my mindset about what's normal. I'm like, why don't I have a car service? And... (laughs) private jet
0: yeah that's an example of uh, what we're talking about today exactly exactly
1: okay so we talked about what lifestyle inflation is and the hedonic treadmill and you made a really good point about how it is all relative and it's all you you're influenced by the people who are around you like what you think is normal and what you think is a baseline is influenced by the people around you and your peers like if your peers all have a certain kind of car a certain kind of house or clothing then you might also feel like that feels normal to you.
0: Yes. I felt that way very much when I was working in corporate America, and particularly as I was rising the ranks, because the people I was around were not the individual contributors, for lack of a better word, that I started working with. Mm -hmm. They were more senior and more senior and many of them 10 years older than me plus. And they drove fancy cars and they lived in very different neighborhoods than I lived in. And they had bigger houses and they had pools and they had vacation homes and things that I, didn't have and didn't necessarily want, but was starting to think like, should I have, should I have these things? Mm-hmm. And I afford, I can afford these, some of these things now, should I be doing this? And it, I think it's normal slash hard. It's normal to have those feelings. It's mm-hmm. hard. And it takes some level of discipline and confidence in yourself and what you want and what you care about to be able to see those things happening and just move past them and be like, I'm going to do my own thing because
1: this is what I care about. And I have other goals in
0: life and I'd like to meet those.
1: Right. Especially because if you put those two things together, they're two pretty strong forces that can kind of normalize higher spending, both you just getting used to what you have. I mean, I remember my first apartment didn't have laundry and now I would never live in a place that didn't have laundry. But if I was surrounded by people, like if everyone I knew also didn't have laundry and I was the only one who had it, I would feel like I was really lucky to have it. But because all of my peers have laundry in their house, plus I'm used to it from having it for so long. Yes. Like those two things combined are, are pretty powerful. So if you think that's maybe something that you don't need or you don't want to spend money on, laundry might not be the best example because I really do enjoy having laundry. Well, it's an early house. in life example.
0: Early in you know, it's, it's yeah. a common thing like maybe in your 20s that more people right. don't have laundry. But now that we're in our 40s wait are you 40 i am a few years younger than you are (laughs) i knew you were a few years i didn't know like how many because i'm about to be 43 you said that so politely like you're old maggie (laughs) no i am not in my 40s (laughs) well when you get to be not in your 20s i'll just put it that way (laughs) you end up around, you know, that laundry example has been inflated, spirit of lifestyle inflation, Mm -hmm. to the house you live in, the car you drive, the Mm -hmm. types of dinners you go out to. And it it is all relative. And a couple of things I often think about related to this are where you came from and what lifestyle you you were used to growing up means a lot. So like that orange is the new black with Piper example is like that. She was grew up with a lot of money and was used to Mm -hmm. that. So $70,000 wasn't a lot of money to her, but to other people, that was wealth. That would have been like Mm -hmm. rich people. right? And I grew up in a pretty average middle-class household and so did my husband. And I think that's, I I think when you grew up realizing you could be happy with a kind of, I don't even know a good term for it, but an middle-class lifestyle, you're more apt to be able to continue that as an adult and be happy with it. Right. And so I think a lot is like what you grew up with and then what you're around. So I love the neighborhood I live in now because I live in a fairly average middle Class neighborhood, and there's other neighborhoods in Atlanta that are significantly more affluent than the neighborhood I live in. And when you drive, I mean, it's all big houses. When you drive through it, all the cars are significantly different, and it puts a lot of daily pressure and just requires much more. Again, I don't even know that disciplines the word, but like comfort and confidence in your path and what you care about, and you know, making these choices to be different than some of the people around you. But it, my point is, it's yeah. easier when you yeah. just surround yourself with people that are actually similar. Or to
1: the types of way you want to live, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. A, a couple super quick things. One, I mean, just want to like acknowledge, like we're pretty lucky that our path and a lot of people, I would say, similar to us had a path where like we lived kind of a sort of broke, but not poor lifestyle in our 20s. And of course, a lot of people still live that way. Like there's of course, tons of people living still in those circumstances where they might not have laundry at home in yeah. you know, in, in later years. But I would say that's pretty common for like you and me and, and our, our peer group that when you were talking about neighborhoods, I wanted to just, it's funny. I think we all, I think we often all think like whatever we do is middle-class, like it's, yeah. it's such a broad term, right? Yeah. And it's like, oh, I'm not rich. That's the person who has something yeah. nicer than me. That's fair. But I also think about there's a neighborhood near me that does have, I, I would say I live in a neighborhood with a, with a mix of styles of homes. And there's a neighborhood close to me that I that I go through often that is is very nice homes, uh, consistently very expensive and very well kept. And I think to myself all the time, I'm so glad I don't live in that neighborhood because I would feel so much pressure for my yard to look so much better than it does today. (laughs) Like right now, I'm like, yeah, it could be better. There's some weeds, but yeah, it's fine. But if I lived in in the middle of all of those really beautifully manicured homes, I would feel pressure to keep up.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I I should say I also live in a neighborhood it's mixed. Like there are, you know, multi-million dollar homes because they're tearing down the, the the type of house I live in. They're tearing them down to build, you know, these big, what we call McMansions. But you're right. It it, it actually, it, I mean, it's kind of like that old real estate thing of like, you always want the cheapest house in the neighborhood, but that's for a real yeah. estate appreciation reasons, right? Yeah. It also can apply to helping you with lifestyle inflation. Actually, no, it would be the opposite because if you have the cheapest house in the neighborhood, you're always going to feel a lot of pressure.
1: Yeah. To yeah. From a lifestyle inflation perspective perspective you might want like the nicest house in the neighborhood so you just feel a little embarrassed you're right yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> then, but then you're better. then you're causing the problem for everyone else then everyone else is like oh look at that nice house i wish my house was
1: nicer like that yeah maybe hopefully they're just like rolling their eyes at you
0: yeah like, oh, well she think that... she's
1: fancy <laughs>
0: <laughs> so on that point my thing about lifestyle inflation, which we're Liz and I are about to get into how our own lifestyle has inflated over the years with more personal examples than you might want. But my thing about lifestyle inflation is it's not a bad thing necessarily. You want to be aware of it like we just talked about, but you want to inflate your lifestyle for you and what matters to you in an intentional way, not to impress other people, right? Because some of those examples we were just talking about are people who are getting caught up in keeping up with the Joneses or they the hedonic treadmill and other things like that. And that's the piece of it that I'm very focused on is if I'm making these decisions for me versus if I'm really looking inwardly to decide, am I doing it to impress somebody else? And that's a question you have to ask yourself and do some soul searching on. And it's hard to admit sometimes why, like, am I buying a pair of Lululemon shorts because I like the way they fit and look,
1: which I do to be clear? Mm -hmm. Or am I doing it to impress other people. Right. I, I think with those, I sometimes I try to give myself an exercise. Like, would I buy these? I also love Lululemon. I'm in a lion pant. I own many, many pairs. And I think to myself sometimes, would I buy these if they didn't have the logo on them? And I absolutely would. Yeah, I agree. 100%. And I've tried to buy dupes. There's always rumors mm-hmm. going around on the internet that there's like an Amazon dupe for $30. Yeah. And it's not as good. <laughs> They're never as good.
0: I agree. I I asked a different question, but I've said if Target sold a pair of pants, which is the same as like an Amazon dupe or something, if Target sold a pair of shorts with the same fit and the same cut, would I buy it? And and I do for certain things. Like there's some tights that I run in that I buy from Target. They're 20 bucks. I love them. They have pockets in the side. They fit well. Mm -hmm. And they're perfect for my 40 minute run. They're not as like soft and buttery mm-hmm. and they don't i don't know fit me like a like hug me the way that like inside and outside the way that like a good pair
1: of Lululemon lemon tights can shorts You're tights having you have some you have a relationship with chat gpt it sounds like you have I a know, relationship with, with my tights inanimate objects i have a lot of relationships with yeah <laughs> it, okay yeah. i i think you're right you know it it, you're you're completely spot on in that it it's like what brings you joy it's not to impress other people i can so one example i always think of because i don't think any of us like to think of ourselves as someone who does something just to impress someone else but the example i always think of is my very first job out of school i went into the office and all of the women in the office had their nails done like they just all had manicures and pedicures and so i started going and getting my nails done because i felt self-conscious that I was the only one who didn't have it. But at the same time, that that's kind of the only example I can think of where I literally I like I saw someone else doing it like what's the mean girls line mm-hmm. like I saw Katie wearing cargo pants so I wore cargo pants like I saw all the other gals getting their nails done so I got my nails done. But everything else I think it's really hard. To know, like I think we're really good at convincing ourselves that we're just doing it for ourselves, even if we may have been maybe subconsciously influenced by. Yeah, that is fair.
0: We're I think we're even not influenced by other people. Like we're influenced by marketing, and we're Mm -hmm. we're Mm -hmm. falling prey to a system that is you know built to convince us that. We're not making our own judgment about these Lululemon tights to tell us that, well, if everybody else thinks they're so amazing, like, well, they must be amazing, right? And so, yeah, yeah, it is, I will, yes, I think you're right. It is hard to separate and truly identify if you're doing something for yourself versus for other people. But I think it's worth trying and like thinking through it because i do think you start to over time you can get much more intentional with your spending if you really start to think like why do i want this am i stressed like why am i making this decision to get this thing right now which i'm sure we'll talk about a ton in other episodes
1: yeah well even talked about in the last one just tracking and being it's all about awareness right yeah tracking what you're spending there are people who keep a spending diary like oh, I bought this thing and here's how I felt before and after and how I felt a week later I, I've never gone to that length but it, you know it's not a, a bad idea well the I spending think... diary is where I would keep my
0: notes about how like how buttery mm-hmm. soft <laughs> tights make me feel. that's where I would like write my private
1: thoughts about my t- oh. <laughs> oh. how good it feels when they hug me yeah yeah <laughs> well I was thinking one thing a couple things that came to mind that I was trying to think about like, Oh, I, was I really buying this for me? Or was I maybe buying it for other people right before the early days of the pandemic started? So call it like late 2019, early 2020. I had been shopping around for two things. One, I wanted just like a new piece of jewelry, like a nice piece of jewelry. I was looking at like some nice earrings and rings. And I would had also been shopping around for a work bag, like a, like a nice leather bag that I could put my laptop and my gym clothes and, and, everything in and to replace, I had a backpack that I had been using. And when the pandemic started, I put both of those purchases on hold. The work bag makes a little bit more sense because I wasn't commuting into the office anymore. But I was like, oh, it's really interesting because I would have said that I was shopping around for jewelry just for myself because I I wanna buy something that I like looking at. I wanna look down you know, at a ring or a bracelet or in the mirror at earrings and think, oh, I really like that. I really like the way that looks. I'm buying that for me. But when I wasn't gonna be out in the world where anyone else was gonna see it, I mean, I, I didn't buy it. You all of a sudden
0: <laughs> right. didn't want that thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that is a point. that That's the tricky piece about the like, are you doing it for you to impress other people? I feel more confident when I look and feel a certain way in something. And so it's, it's sort of this catch 22 of you're buying the jewelry quote for you, but it's because you feel good wearing it. Mm-hmm. And then that makes you feel better in front of other people. And it's not exactly because of the, you know, it's hard to separate. And yeah. break down exactly, you know, each element of that, but it's a.
1: Right. Well, I think that maybe that's one of the points we're trying to get at is it's really easy. I consume a lot of personal finance content. I assume you do as well to just sort of see, you know, a tweet or an Instagram post that breaks it down to like, don't buy things to impress other people. Yeah. And that no one's doing that. Like no one is just sitting at home like, you know what? I don't even like that car. I think it's ugly, but I'm going to buy it because my neighbor has one and I want them to think I have a lot of money.
0: Well, you say no one's doing it. I have one example I would just like to throw out to you. You know, those trucks you see. I live in the South, so maybe you don't see as many of these where you are. (laughs) You know, they're like huge. The tires are really big. They've got, they're tricked out. And I'm always like, do you need that? Or do you just think you look, I actually think you look less cool. Like when I see those, (laughs) I'm like, uh, I don't think you're the target audience. (laughs) I'm not the target audience. (laughs) Walking around in my Crocs, I'm in tie dye. I'm not the target audience. But when I see those, I often am like, I feel like, are you doing that to put out some vibe? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, no judgment. It sounds like I just threw judgment at that, but
1: but I wonder if that person loves big truck. Well, might say, well, I like the clearance because I go off roading, or I like to be able to drive over a curb, or I like to be able to sit higher on the road. Yeah. And but. I, but again i wonder if that person and i don't know that per- i don't think i know anyone who drives a truck like that but if you asked them like well would you drive a truck like this if it was invisible like magically invisible to other yeah. people like if other people on the road looked at you and saw a you know 20 year old honda civic but you still like got the benefit of that's a good question big tires and whatnot like how would you feel about that yeah. would you, would you still have that would you be willing to pay as much for it yeah. But I think I, I think our brains, most of us won't sort of like our brains like won't let us admit that we're being shallow, even when we are. Yeah, that's a great point. Our brains will not let us give
0: an honest answer to that question. Or we don't even yeah, we don't even know what what is true.
1: Yeah, like I don't want to be that I don't identify as the type of person who would buy something to impress someone else. So my brain's going to like tell me a story of like, oh, no, this yeah. is higher quality. It's going to last longer. It's totally worth the money. Like I'm buying this for me not to impress anyone else. So, yeah. I
0: don't yeah, know. And it, that, we could talk about this piece all day because it's tricky because I think about certain things and I'm like my iPhone. I bought a new iPhone when I left my job because it was the first time I had to buy my own phone in decades. Mm-hmm. I bought an expensive new iPhone. I love it. I buy. I don't care. I truly there's maybe other things like the jewelry example where I care how I present to somebody. But I don't care if anyone sees that I have this phone. I like the quality photos it takes. hmm. And I like that it has way more storage on it. It's not constantly reminding me that I need to, you know, (laughs) empty my photos and it makes me happy, you know? So that's like a very one where I'm like, I know for sure, but there are other ones where I don't quite know for sure because I also identify as someone who isn't buying things for those reasons. But I can admit that there are things where I think about which t-shirt I put on. Right, right. I say t-shirt because that's like what I'm choosing to wear every day. Yeah. (laughs) It's one of like, should I put on this slightly nicer t-shirt? Because I will ask Greg, I'm like, is this, does this look a little more dressy? He's like, you're still wearing the same t-shirt. Like it's a
1: t-shirt. It's a t-shirt with fewer logos on it. Just one logo instead of like a hundred. I was like, but this is a black t-shirt. This is my dressy black t-shirt. It doesn't look nicer. (laughs) This is my good Nell Jane. It only has one sticker on it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, can you think of anything that you think might have a little seed of...
0: Well what about the Tesla? That's a good question. So I was just listening to Andrew got me on this. I, I've listened to this. I've just finished the book Psychology of Money a week mm-hmm. ago by Morgan yeah. Housel. He has a podcast. Andrew said he started listening to it. He's only got like nine episodes. It's called the Morgan Housel podcast, which is the author's name. I'm gonna put a link in the show notes to it. He he had a I was just listening to it this morning before this. And the episode was called, it was his first episode and it was called The Art of Spending Money. And he was talking about that. And I was actually thinking about the Tesla. And when you gave that example of the truck, and if when I drove it around, if when I drove the Tesla around, it looked like a leaf, not a plant leaf, but the Nissan yeah, the Leaf, Nissan leaf. The <laughs> less expensive EV, I would at this point in my life, because I have the money, I would still have the Tesla because it is a much better driving experience. Mm-hmm. And I, it's got cool tech inside and I really like it. So I actually have the opposite feeling about the Tesla. I, when I go somewhere, I had to go like meet a a vendor at a rental house and it was somewhere else. And it was like, it was something in our, in our neighborhood pool. And I was like, we, we were really on a budget for this particular project. And I was like, Mm. I don't like rolling in a Tesla. Yeah. I don't, I kind of feel like I I actually, and I don't like going to school in a Tesla. I'm like in front of a bunch of teachers. And I feel kind of like a, I actually have the opposite feeling at times of feeling like guilty when I show off. I like, I love the concept, stealth wealth. I prefer to have stealth wealth. And I wish I actually could put a little like Honda Civic uh, logo. logo. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Magical, like in Harry Potter or something where it's like you have some like you you look like, yes. And I. (laughs) A cloak of Honda Civic. Yes. (laughs) A cloak of Honda Civic and that I could put that (laughs) over. And I don't want to have, you know, I I travel, I wear, I got, I don't even wear my wedding ring anymore. I wear this like $20 rubber synthetic Quello. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember the brand name, but I love it. And I don't like when I travel, especially when I'm traveling abroad, like I don't want to look like I have nice things. Yeah. For various I'm reasons, but
1: Totally with you on that. But it goes both but even in that situation I think it can be a little bit nuanced. So I just bought a new car. I did a bunch of episodes mm-hmm. about it. And I talked very openly about, I I made my list. I was like, these are the features I want. This is my budget. And my options were a Kia, a Hyundai, a BMW or an Audi. And I was like, I don't want to drive a BMW. I just, like you were saying, I don't, I just don't want to be rolling up to places in a bmw yeah and i don't want to drive a kia or a hyundai they're great cars like no offense intended if someone drives that car and you love it and i know they're like really nice and good quality but when i was growing up like i just ha- i feel like i had this impression from being a teenager that those were really budget cars and i just didn't want to have that and so i ended up buying an audi which i didn't really know anything about the brand and now i know a little bit more about it and i have that same feeling sometimes but it also again it goes both I ways audi and the same as a bmw by the way to me they're exactly the same but, okay i feel like I didn't, I wasn't totally, I don't
0: know a lot about cars. And- but it's funny, you did, I know you did a bunch of posts about people's views about brands. I don't know a lot about cars either. So I also just have these like, I'm like, Audi's a luxury car, BMW's a luxury car, Mercedes is a luxury car. Yeah. You know, I just put them in the same bucket.
1: I did not put it in the same bucket, but I'm kind of learning that some people do. And so sometimes I do get embarrassed. I'm like, oh, you know, again, we had someone come out to give a quote and I was like, oh, let me make sure that Audi's in the garage. <laughs> so you know, this guy doesn't think that we have a lot of money. But then sometimes I have been doing, a, have had a bunch of work stuff and I've ended up carpooling and people get in my car and they're like, oh, this is such a nice car. And because, you know, the inside is really nice and it has massaging seats and it's really nice. And then in those moments, I feel really good. I'm like, oh, I have a nice car and those people think I have a nice car and that feels good. Well- What's funny is related to that. I will
0: admit, I, in all the examples I just gave, there's times when I don't want to roll up in a Tesla, like I feel uncomfortable or uncom- mm-hmm. I don't know what the word is, but something,
1: like conspicuous.
0: Conspicuous. Yeah, I don't I don't want to stand out. I I in general, and if I do stand out for something, I don't want it to be my car, I'll put it that way. And and that's what he, Morgan House was talking about. Like I want to be known as like a nice person and a kind person who helps my neighbors and all these other things. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want people to think of me as, and that's kind of what he was talking about. In in, in this episode, at one point, of that's what people remember and will care about for mm-hmm. you. And you know, there's that quote of like people won't remember what you yeah. did or something; they're gonna remember how you made them feel.
1: Yeah, my Angela.
0: Yeah. And, and I, sorry, Maya Angelou, I just butchered that quote, but That's you it. get the spirit of it.
1: <laughs> I th- But
0: I will say, I can admit on the flip side, when there's other scenarios, certain neighborhoods I'm driving into or other scenarios where I'm going into a situation of people that are wealthier than me, mm-hmm. I've had feelings of thinking like, oh, I, I mean, well, like they know that I can afford, uh, you know, like it, I don't yeah. even know how to articulate the feelings, but I, it's that piece of like, it is hard to separate those feelings and really admit. And realize just how you feel about things and why you do the things you do and why you spend the money the way you do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, I'm glad that we can be really honest and and candid and authentic. And I hope it, you know, I hope it comes out right. I hope it it lands that what we're trying to say is just it's a complicated thing. I I had a similar a couple of weeks ago. I was going to a, a work conference for the day and I drove to the hotel and like, you know, I had on my business casual outfit, like my hair was done. I had my cute purse, like, you know, and I like rolled up in my Audi and like toss the keys to the valet and i was like i'm a fancy did you actually
0: toss the keys to the valet no
1: i handed them. did you and then you
0: say keep it close i didn't know you oh that's a thing that like not it's not a cool thing to say to a valet (laughs) oh okay i won't it's what you know it's what you want if you're like don't If you don't go park, my brother used to valet when he was uh, in college and post-college for a while. No, it's what the like person who has a really fancy car and they don't want you to go like park it in the lot far away mm-hmm. because they their car's too fancy. They're like, keep mm-hmm. it close. Like, Oh, that's funny. Yeah. With a that's snap funny. and a wink or something.
1: <laughs>
0: but, yeah. Don't do that to be clear. Take
1: good care of her. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Her. Yeah, for sure. That's funny. Well, OK, we should jump in to actually giving some examples. We should. So I I was going to I had a lot of ideas for this episode. I was going to kind of like originally I was going to quiz you like <laughs> maybe like have a little paddle. You like worth it or not worth it. One hundred dollar yoga pants or flying first class. But I think what we decided on was we'll go through a couple categories and you know, carves, travel, houses, and kind of talk about where we were in our call it late twenties versus where we are today. And I, I think it's an interesting conversation because I think you and I have had different paths when it comes to lifestyle inflation and lifestyle creep, uh, different speeds on the hedonic treadmill, if you will. We've creeped differently for sure. We have yeah. creeped differently, and we're different types of creeps for sure, right? Because I, you know, we both talk a lot online about our money. So I I feel like I've read a lot of what you've had to say about this. And obviously I know what I have to say about this. And I think I will, I I am a flagrant, admitted lifestyle inflator. Like, hi, I'm Liz. I've inflated my lifestyle a lot since my 20s. And a lot of things I used to think were really ridiculous. I no longer, I now think are very normal. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you now own them. Yeah, I now own them. And $100 yoga pants definitely being one of them. And I think like you kind of tend to say, you know, you've kept it more under control. You haven't experienced a lot of lifestyle inflation and you've really kind of kept an active guard against it. And you live largely like you did in your 20s.
0: Yeah, i said that. And then when you said that back to me and prep for this episode, I started really thinking about it. And I realized that likely I have, I didn't track my spending back then. So I just don't know what I was spending in my 20s. I guess I could do some like in-depth forensic accounting and try to like figure it out from some old credit cards or something. But I would say for me, what's shifted is more, I haven't done like massive lifestyle inflation like those that I was running with. Right. Mm, and I don't yeah. mean literally running with, I like to run <laughs> alone, but the the people that were in my circle at work and other things, like I said, they were buying vacation homes, nicer cars, bigger houses, moving up to different neighborhoods. I wasn't doing that. And those are the big things, right? Mm-hmm. The, the little things I'm not as worried about, right? Those are the mm-hmm. big expenses. And so yeah. I was, I was still doing, ver- I still was driving nice cars. I mean, we'll get into it. But when I really thought about it, I think the difference is I probably was, I would guesstimate I was spending the same amount of money or similar within 10 to $20,000 within 10 to 20% ballpark since I spent about 100,000. It's easy math. Mm-hmm. So I'd say 10 to 20%, the same amount of money, but I was spending on a very different things. Like I had a mortgage back then. I had to pay PMI, which is private mortgage insurance because the bank shouldn't have loaned me that money. That's why they charge you PMI. <laughs> And I would, I would go to Whole Foods and I would do things like I didn't, I wasn't tracking or worried about what I was spending. So I was spending more then. And as I got older, I became more aware of some of my longer term goals. And that's when I've curbed and just been much more conscious and intentional about what I do spend money on. And I think I definitely spent more frivolously in my twenties and I had the money to spend too. And so that's dangerous. (laughs) <laughs> when you're in your twenties and you're not yet fully thinking about and focused on the future, so that's why to me, I've yes, I've avoided a lot of lifestyle inflation, but i I've, I've I still spend a lot on a lot of things, which we can get into.
1: Yeah, 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 I hear you. So the dollars have risen a bit, but you've also cut back on some of the things that you would now look back and say, oh, I probably shouldn't have been spending money on that. That might have been frivolous.
0: Yeah, like I mean, I spent a lot of money on travel. Well, we'll get into the examples. Let, let's run through your
1: examples. Let's run through. Okay, so starting with cars. Well, we know you've got a BMW slash Audi. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) I drive a used Audi e-tron. I bought it when it was four years old. See, even now I'm like trying to downplay. I'm like, it's not that nice. I forgot you bought it used. I did buy it used. It's four years old. So yeah, I've had a couple of people get in the car. I've driven a lot of people around in the last month. I think because I have a new car. So I'm always volunteering to drive. Like I drove. Trying to show that off, you know, to pump up (laughs) your ego. (laughs) Well, it's just fun. It's fun to drive. No, I agree.
0: I think a Tesla is really fun to drive. Like, I get yeah. it. I am happy to like drive now.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, a couple of people have gotten in and been like, oh, it has that new car smell. And I'm like, oh, you mean that four year old car smell? But it smells like the previous owner. Right. <laughs> I didn't have that many miles. So anyways, I currently drive an Audi e My I've only had two cars before this. As an adult, I had some beaters in high school and college. but So I bought a Honda Civic when I was like my first car right out of college. And it was $15,000 versus the car I drive now that I just purchased cost $50,000. So I've definitely experienced lifestyle inflation here. I'm still in the new car honeymoon phase. So I'm like, this thing is amazing. So right now, I think it's worth it. But I'm curious how I'll feel in a few months if I just get used to it.
0: So similar to what we did earlier, that $15,000 car that you bought right out of college, the equivalent of that would be 23,000 now.
1: Oh, okay. So I've only more than doubled. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. At least you haven't tripled. Yeah, exactly. All All right. Great. Uh, What about you? Tell me your car
0: history. So I think mine, well I got a lot to say about my feelings of these cars, you know. I'm going to put it in my 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 new journal. Can you rate how each of them hugged you? <laughs> I mean the the shine the shimmerness, the shimmeriness of the <laughs> of the finish on my first 2002 Honda Accord was just beautiful. Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> but I was I thought I was like a baller. I don't know whether that's the right word, but coming out of school, I had a good job. I was making mm-hmm. twice as much money as I thought I was gonna be making because I had kind of a last minute career shift. And I bought a car for around twenty thousand dollars. It might might have been like eighteen, something like that. Brand new, which I shouldn't have done, didn't know better at the time. And then I've owned like a couple Priuses after that over my life. a uh, Subaru that I most recently bought. And then we bought a Tesla, which is I mean, the Tesla's like Greg's car, but it's all like morphed together lately. I drive it a lot. The Subaru, the Tesla. I mean, the Tesla was actually cheaper than the Subaru. And yeah, because you have like the big, like, the... yeah, I got the one with a third row for the. Yeah. We have three kids. We, they, we Our goal was to be able to have them all have a friend with us when we like yeah. take them places. Which I remember actually... that
1: Friends on Fire episode. Oh, yeah. You Mike... have a thing where like I something about the way memory works. When I remember a podcast episode, like I remember where I was walking when I was listening to it. I feel like I always have these really specific podcasts. Yeah, that's funny. Where were you walking when you? Just in my neighborhood. And I remember like what block I was on.
0: Oh, that's impressive. I was going to joke like which street were you on? That's impressive. <laughs> So while you were on that walk, yes, I bought a Subaru and I can't remember, I was just about to look up the amount, but it it was 40000 was It was like a year old. Mm. If I had been more prepared, I would have a real amount, dollar amount for you here. (laughs) But same as you. I mean, I doubled- the amount of car I could afford. And, you know, we'll talk about this in general, but my thing with cars is if I could go back in life, many of those cars would be a used car purchase. I would have put, cause you just, there's so much that just Mm -hmm. the second you walk off the lot that car is depreciated and you can find some very good low mileage used cars for, you know, significantly cheaper. It's a little bit of a tough used car market right now though. Yeah. But my thing about cars is if you can afford it, right. And so for me, other than that very first car I bought, I was mostly able to either get 0% interest early on on some stuff or pay for the car outright or pay it off very, very quickly. And now these cars that I'm inflating, I can buy. I have the money saved. I'm not going into debt for it. I'm not paying interest on it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my my thoughts on, on this stuff, which actually maybe I'll save for the end, but just to not leave you hanging is
1: it's can you afford it without going into debt yeah. and dramatically altering your goals in life? It would be interesting to plot out. So I follow Personal Finance Club on Instagram. I'm a big fan. I think yeah. their content is like just kind of a great introduction awesome to visuals. a lot of concepts. Yeah, exactly. They do things in really digestible ways. And the founder did a post and said, I just bought a Tesla. It's the most expensive car I've ever bought, but it's by far the smallest percentage of my net worth car I've ever bought. That's what I'm talking about. So that's a good way of
0: thinking about it in terms of, of money you have saved and available. That's, you know, I say available, like not your kid's college fund or something, but (laughs) yes, if you've done the, I mean, to me, a lot of the way I think about spending money is, you know, I've, I've taken care of the important things first. And if I have some spending money left over, then I feel good
1: about inflating my lifestyle. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about travel. Okay. I, this is a place my lifestyle has for sure inflated. I didn't even go on a real vacation that was just for vacation until I was in my thirties. like. We would travel for weddings, baby showers, holidays to see family, but never like, oh, that looks like a cool place to go. Let's just go. And I didn't leave the country for vacation also until my 30s. I never flew first unless it was like an accident. You know, back in the day, sometimes you'd get bumped, and I remember yeah. the first time that happened. I was so excited. Like I talked about, I felt like I was in a movie. I mean, it was so exciting. And then now, you know, I have I budget for travel, and my budget per annually is about $10,000 to fifteen thousand dollars, which sounds like a lot, but But that also has to include going from for the holidays, weddings, et cetera, plus any bigger trips. And now we, you know, we try to do bigger trips and I will, you know, if it's reasonable to fly first class or if I can get it on points, like with travel hacking, it is a, it is a part of my life. And I would say, again, that's an area where I've for sure inflated. Part of that is good, right? Like, I don't think I would be better off not traveling, (laughs) but I would say I'm a little bit more used to, you know, I sit in the airport lounge now and I try to upgrade to first if I can. And I'm staying at nicer hotels and you know it, it's crept. there's been some creep there i would say
0: yeah i think that's good creep personally because it's intentional creep right which is yeah. a weird term let's coin that term intent <laughs> we need more intentional creep in our lives I'm I'm the same way on travel in the sense of I hadn't left the country until my like mid to late 20s while on a grad school trip and I only did it because it was part of a I could I was trying to force my way through business school as fast as possible while working and I could do a two-week trip in Argentina and get a whole class credit and I was like yeah seems pretty sweet
1: oh that's great
0: and I don't even think I was excited as excited about going to Argentina until I got there and I was <laughs> like oh my gosh there's this big bad world out there and around the same time I started started working for IHG and I was around in the travel industry, but around a lot of people who lived all over the world and loved to travel. And I got to start traveling some as part of working there. And this past year we spent $30,000 on travel and that was because we did that big six week post retirement yeah. trip, but on the average year we spend easily twenty thousand on travel, maybe fifteen to twenty. And I feel really good about it, and that is a big priority in my life. And my kids have now been to six, seven, eight, eight or nine different countries. Wow! And I'm I'm proud, or I don't know if proud is the right word, but like I feel good that that is an experience I am able to provide them, and very privileged and thankful that I can do that for them. And it's something I never, my parents certainly could never afford to do that for us as a kid and no fault of their if anything it makes me much more appreciative of it now. Mm-hmm. And when my kids are complaining about certain things when we travel, I'm always like, you guys, I didn't get to do this stuff when I was a kid. And like <laughs> you need to appreciate it. yeah, I had to shovel coal two miles to get to school. And uphill both ways. Uphill, yeah. With no <laughs> shoes on. And, but I will, I mean, I'll I will drop a thousand dollars a night for a hotel on the side of a cliff in Greece. No regrets yeah. on it. And I have and I will. And I don't do it all the time. There's plenty of times that, you know, I'll also do Tesla car camping and sleep in the back of the Tesla, right. which we've done.
1: Because both give you memories. Yes. Right? Yes, exactly.
0: Um, so travel is definitely an area where I have inflated my lifestyle. But like I talked about at the beginning, I used to spend that amount of money paying a mortgage every year. Mm-hmm and I don't anymore cuz I've prepaid and dealt with that and so it's just that my money has shifted in different ways
1: yeah yeah but it's it's gone up in ways that you feel like are paying off yeah I think mostly it pays off, but sometimes I'm like, I don't know, did I need to stay in this nicer hotel? Or like, did I, I I've, I recently got the upgraded rental car. I was like, oh, I don't want the economy car. I'll just, you know, it was like 20 bucks more to get a full size car. And then I got in that car and I was like, yeah, this car still sucks. <laughs> yeah.
0: I often will get
1: a cheaper rental car that, yeah. because I want it to be like big enough, yeah. but I just
0: don't need, like, it's going to get me from point A to point Z. And
1: yeah, I have recently noticed that I, I can tell my lifestyle is inflating because I used to love going on trips because usually, you know, I'd get to the hotel and be like, Ooh, these nice hotel sheets or this nice hotel shower. And I'd get in the rental car and be like, Ooh, a newer car. This is so nice. But now I have very nice sheets and a really nice shower myself. And I drive a very nice car now. And so I, I'm like, Oh, the sort of standard issue hotel and standard issue rental car are no longer these, these fun upgrades. Yeah. They now I'm yeah, like, it's
0: not splurging. right?" I'm like,
1: I can't wait to get home to get back to my normal stuff which is nicer than that
0: yeah that's an interesting thing that happens that inverts itself as you get older yeah yeah that's interesting okay let's talk about clothing okay since we were talking about buttery soft lululemon (laughs)
1: You just or can't I was. This look on your face. I know. <laughs> a
0: little too happy about it, yeah. <laughs>
1: just you don't get you guys on in the, the <laughs>
0: distance. You guys listening don't get a chance to enjoy the facial expressions
1: I have while <laughs> talking about it. Okay, clothing. So interestingly, through most of my twenties, I had a job where I had to dress a little bit nicer for work. I worked in a business casual office, and then. At some point, I don't remember exactly when that switched. And so now I can wear jeans or whatever to work. So when I was in my 20s, I, I bought a lot of things at Target. And then I really loved Ann Taylor, but I was I didn't feel like it was in my budget. And so I would buy it from eBay. And I had like these mm-hmm. eBay alerts. And at one point I counted. I owned something somewhere between 20 and 30 Ann Taylor dresses because those were just my go-to, my work uniform. That's so interesting. My go-to was Banana Republic. Mm. I
0: owned probably, yeah, hundreds. It was like where I shopped. I had the BR card. Credit card. I mm. got way too many, you know, like dollars earned back, <laughs> credits, whatever
1: from what you spend. And okay, so, but what do you do now? Like, yeah, you're still well, rocking the, video- the Ann Taylor. On yeah. eBay. i was gonna say about banana republic they really you know it's it's the same as uh, banana republic is the same as gap and athletic right and they gamify i mean they yeah. you feel like you have won the lottery when you buy a mm-hmm. shirt you're like it was 40 percent off and i got double points yeah. and it was tuesday so i got a free lip mm-hmm. gloss and it's all baked in and you're just paying yeah. for it anyways but I, I don't i was a sucker for it too I was it's like, i, I was mean we all though. are yeah <laughs> So yeah, so it, it's interesting because I think now I dress a lot more casually than I did then, but I spend more money. So again, I was I was buying Target and spending a lot of money on eBay, and now I most I buy almost all of my clothes either from Nordstrom or Lululemon. I will say Nordstrom has a very wide range, so I'm mostly shopping like Halogen, Caslon. They're Sort of. I mean, just putting dollars on it, I would say in my twenties, I would probably spend like twenty dollars on a shirt, and then now I would probably spend like sixty to eighty dollars on a shirt.
0: Yeah, is that a Lululemon shirt you're wearing right now? Yes, <laughs> it's the what's it called? My kids know the name. They the love them. Run
1: Swiftly, maybe. Yeah, the Swiftly.
0: Yeah. The Swi- okay. Yeah, I, I used was- to call it like the Swift. I used to always mispronounce it. My kids were always like, it's swiftly. What were you saying? I don't know what I was saying. Swift, swift. There's some other (laughs) swipe, swoop, swoopy. I don't know. Then I got to the point where I knew what the word was and
1: I would just constantly say it wrong. Messing with him. Yeah. I I think, too, the other thing about getting older, it's like trading convenience, right? So Nordstrom has a, as a service where you can go in and you can essentially sign up ahead of time, make an appointment, say, these are my sizes, these are the brands I like, this is the kind of clothing I'm looking for. And they will pull stuff for you. And you end up spending a lot more money. You know, there's no charge for the service, but you just buy more because yeah. someone is helping you. and. I'm like happy to do that a couple times a year versus, you know, when I was younger, I had more of an appetite to go to like TJ Maxx and like flip through the racks yeah. for a long time or go to a thrift store even. Oh yeah. I forgot until I just said that. I love shopping at thrift stores in my twenties. I want to get back into that. Actually. I've been kind of getting back into going to thrift stores lately. I love it. For my kids, too. I'm curious to hear about your clothing spending because I know you're also, we've talked about how I think in our 30s, we, like in our, when you were still in your 30s and like in your corporate America days, I think we had basically the same work uniform, right? Which was like dark wash, skinny jeans, a blouse, you know, flats or maybe wedges. Mm-hmm. Well, for a long time, I couldn't wear jeans to work. So it was some sort mm-hmm. of skinny pants. Mm, okay.
0: Ninety nine percent of the time, wear pants. Not like some. I, my younger days, I wear skirts a good bit too. I just was like, I get to where I'm like, I'm comfortable. I when I was pregnant, I started wearing flats, and I didn't never went back to heels. Like, if you see me now at a wedding or some sort of event in heels, I look like a smile child that just put heels on for the first time. Like, I can't walk. I'm like, wow. I'm like, Greg, don't leave. You're my cr-. like literally. I'm gonna fall over if you walk away. Um. Anyways, so yes, I have. I will definitely say my clothing approach. I think now is quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. And 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 probably for the past 10 years, even as I got more into minimalism and just realized what really did make me happy in that department, I definitely own a lot of athleisure that is expensive, mostly with the exception of like giving those examples of there's some target running tights I like, but I also wear through those a lot and I will, I'll easily drop, you know, a bunch of money on nice running shoes, Lululemon clothes, but I don't have a lot of them other than the fact that I go through running shoes because I'm actually putting miles and I have to replace them. Mm -hmm. And so I, I probably actually spent more money in my 20s because I would go to Banana Republic once or, t- or once or twice a month yeah. and buy a bunch of stuff and then not like it six months later and then buy more, you know. And so I think I was going through more then, but I definitely went to a, through a phase, you know, in the last five or 10 years as I did have more money, I would buy much more nice things. So like I started wearing flats and I would buy these. I found these shoes that I absolutely love and I still love them and I would still buy them now. I, I have like four or five pairs of them and I'm like, I don't know what to do with them. I, I want to hang on to a couple, but I don't need them all. They're a brand named M Jemmy.
1: G. E. M. I. Yeah. I think you sent me a link because when I was having my foot thing, I was like oh, looking for yeah. comfortable shoes. And I remember you saying that you loved yours so much. I They're so to get
0: comfortable. Them. They're very stylish. I think they come in like, yeah, I have them in are. like funky colors and they may, they have a lot of different kinds, but I had a very particular style style I liked from them and I, I just love them. They made me happy. They were like 250 300 dollars a pair, but I only own four pairs and that's like all I ever wear every day. Yeah. Right. And so I I didn't some women own 30 pairs of shoes. I owned four pairs of work shoes. Mhm. And yeah. would rotate them. And so and I and I would buy, you know, some nicer clothing like a a more a more expensive blouse, like the example you use. I used to, you know, buy a Banana Republic one on the sale rack that was twenty dollars. And as I got older I'd buy like I really liked Ministry of Supply Mm. um and AYR. I really liked their clothes. But by the way, fun fact, my cousin is the creator, founder, owner of AYR with some couple business partners. It stands for for all year round. Her name's Maggie also. Oh. Uh, And she's my cousin and founded it with a couple of uh, friends, business partners. And... But I love their. It's the spirit of all year round is like stuff you. It, it's not fast fashion, right? It's, mm, it's yeah, classic yeah. stuff that you can wear for the rest of your life. And I, that the, what what her company founded and created is actually what I strive for in my wardrobe, right? I want like classic staple stuff, with the exception of my tie dye shirts, which I also would consider classic staples. Yeah, for what it's I agree. Worth. I agree. Timeless. They've been been rocking them since the '60s. They're still going. <laughs> not sure if they're considered stylish, but they're still going. Anyways, it's the spirit of avoiding fast fashion and things mm-hmm. that come out. And I'd even put Lululemon into that category of it, they're pretty classic, like that long sleeve black swiftly, swifty. I think I used <laughs> to call it swifty. That's what it was. <laughs> swiftly, that you're wearing. It's a classic black, comfortable top. Like, you're, yeah, you're never going to be like, oh, this doesn't feel right anymore.
1: Yeah, I've definitely owned this for six or seven years. Yeah. I want to get more actually, but just okay. in the same color. So I don't have to do laundries often, but I like it. All right. So I think next topic, I'm excited about this one because it's called fancy lady things. <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's so many things that could go in this category. There are
1: so many. And I'm sure I'll think of even more. Later I actually today. just
0: thought of another one, but I'm not sure if we can put it on the podcast,
1: but go ahead. Okay. We'll write it in the show notes and I'll give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Cause sometimes you really come up with things that remember in our first conversation ever. And we were talking about wearing underwear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. I just put it in the show notes, but it's probably, we probably shouldn't say it on the episode did you just see it? I'm not going to put it on the episode, but I'm just saying I wouldn't have done that in my 20s is my point. <laughs> fancy lady things. What do you put in the fancy lady things category?
1: Well, I just bought my very first fancy purse. Look, I brought it in the room. On video. On. Earlier <laughs> when
0: you couldn't find your headphones, you were like, oh, I think they're in my purse. And she walks back in with her with her new fancy lady <laughs> thing.
1: I was like, oh, let me just pull out my purse that I happen to have sitting right here. Yeah. No, I, did, I really did need to get my headphones out of it, but I also figured I wouldn't... Um, I thought you might want to see it. Yeah, it as a
0: good prop for the
1: episode. I've never I never so before, but this purse was three hundred dollars and it's not from a brand I'd ever heard of. It's called I think it's pronounced Porsche. And Oh, that's I, Porsche. It's a car company. It's like BMW and Audi. <laughs> <laughs> sorry just kidding <laughs> what if i did buy an audi purse p-o-u-r-c-h-e-t no, i saw a friend carrying this bag and i just thought it was beautiful and i asked her where she got it and she said she bought it while she was on vacation in france and i tracked it down and it, it was 300 dollars. and this is the most expensive purse by far the the most expensive purse i'd ever bought before that was a 50 dollars purse from ann taylor with again i, I remember I, I remember it was like allegedly a 200 dollars purse that was 75 off but i'm sure that that's just the magical marketing math and so purses, I never got into fancy purses. I never really got into getting my hair done. I haven't even gotten my hair cut for the last three years. Like the pandemic happened and I've just been cutting it in the backyard. I occasionally get my nails done. I felt that pressure again in my first job. But since then, I just do it for fun. And I do feel like I just do that for myself. I did one way I inflated or creeped was I started getting facials in my 30s. And I really don't think they really do anything. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they help your skin look nice, but mostly it's just really nice to lay on a table and chat with my friend who does my facials and have someone massage my face for an hour. Yeah.
0: To be alone in a quiet room. Is how yeah, it is. exactly.
1: Yeah. And then my last thing on here was, um, I don't know if sheets are fancy lady things. I think sheets do qualify as fancy lady you things. Think, okay. When I was in my 20s, I for sure, I remember I had sheets from Target. I don't know how I remember that. But then I got really obsessed with Caraloha bamboo sheets. My mom got me a set in my 20s as a gift. I never would have spent that much because they're I think they're $150 or $200. But then I will say I recently just got new bedding and the Caraloha sheets didn't come in the color I wanted. And so I just tried some really cheap Target sheets that were $25 and I'm kind of back on my Target sheets for now. So I, I deflated. That's like one place. Oh, I you, oh wait, wait, wait. Oh, I missed it. You you went back. You're, you're, you were happy with the Target sheets. Yes, I, I inflated oh. to the expensive sheets. And then I went back to very inexpensive Target sheets. And I really like them. Okay, I like it. I want to hear about your fancy lady things. I think you're a secret fancy lady. <laughs> <laughs> I, a, I don't know. I'm not sure what I am. I will say, since
0: we're putting sheets in fancy lady things, I also used to buy cheap Target sheets. And then one time, not until I think I bought them for Greg for Valentine's day. I think actually at some point I I'm so frugal that at some point I was like, after Greg moved in, I was like, oh, perhaps we should sleep on sheets that I didn't own with my ex-husband. <laughs> so so that's why it was a Valentine's Day present <laughs> yeah. that I was like, let's uh, let's get our own sheets. And I bought Brooklyn and sheets, which mm-hmm. were uh, a few hundred bucks for the whole set. It might have been yeah. three or four hundred dollars. And that was like six or seven years ago. I don't know how long ago. And I love them. They're, they're really nice and super soft. And the other thing I love about buying expensive quality things is they have amazing warranty. So recently there became a whole mm-hmm in the sheet which was on greg's side by his feet and i was like what are you doing down there like what are you like clawing at them at night or something and they sent me a new sheet it was like a hundred dollar sheet yeah and it was out of warranty it wasn't even covered but i was like i'm gonna I it was a big hole it's like a tear that's great and that's the other nice thing of upgrading is that like you can't take back your target sheets five years later but that's true you can take back something that was expensive Five years later when it malfunctions and so yeah I, I bought nicer sheets i don't i've never like gotten i mean i think i've had like one facial in my whole life i don't get my nails done i don't there's a lot of fancy lady things i don't do just does, does fancy lady athleisure is that a, we've already covered athleisure
1: but we talked would, about clothes but i do think yeah. yeah i actually remember reading somewhere someone was talking about like don't try to keep up with your neighbor with a bmw or your other neighbor dressed in head-to-toe lululemon and i was like wait is head-to-toe lululemon like a, <laughs> a like problem? Like that's a, you know, oh, that like, yeah, that's something walking we're throwing around. out as an example of someone who's you might you want gotta to keep up, keep
0: with. up with. Yeah. And they're walking around with their Starbucks and yeah, yeah. every yeah. now and then I will look at myself and notice, oh, I'm wearing all the lemon and I'm holding a Starbucks drink. And then I'm like, uh, in my Tesla <laughs> and, and getting out of my Tesla. And I host a podcast about financial independence. And
1: after I quit my company. job, because I had just enough money, already. too much money to, yeah, deal with. yeah. It's, you know, it's real. Struggle's real, guys. So I already talked about, like, shoes. That's a fancy
0: lady thing. But I I will say one fancy lady thing, and this is an example of, like, spending money on quality things, is I got laser hair removal via a Groupon in my early 20s, which... Just that sentence is like going to not end well. Yeah. And then I, it didn't really like work and it hurt a lot. And then I like found a better place that was very reputable and went to them. And the first thing they said was like, oh, which kind of laser did they use? And I like named it. I don't even know what it meant. and can't remember it. And they're like, oh, they shouldn't be using that kind of laser on your skin color. And I was like, well, geez, that explains what happened. Anyways, I spent like thousands of dollars once on laser hair removal and I love it. It was a great investment. Yeah. That to me is a splurge. and. Yeah. It was one I did earlier in life and I would consider getting it touched up at some point. It's been, you know, 15 years since then, maybe.
1: That is not something you're doing to uh, keep up with your (laughs) neighbor. It's not. Oh, that's a great great example.
0: It's not. It's (laughs) something I'm doing because it's great to not have to shave your legs all the time. Right. Yeah. And so that is like for me, nobody else knows how I got (laughs) my legs so silky smooth. (laughs) They just know that they're, well, a lot of people don't know how silky smooth my legs are. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> so just back to just the- your
1: best friends, your car and your leggings. Yeah. And your-
0: just back to the buttery soft Lululemon tights. But yeah, that, that's all I got on. My fancy lady things, let's shift to like workout equipment because that's okay. more of my fancy lady mm-hmm. things. Yeah, me too. And I know you own a lot of Peloton.
1: Yeah, I did. I think I did a podcast episode about this, but I added up all of the money that I have spent it, (laughs) spend what I have spent on it's including the monthly fee, including the monthly membership. And so the total was... was around six thousand dollars which actually that's much less than i thought you were gonna say really i thought the bike and the rower alone were like well the rower was most important so i I did the math when i bought the rower the rower is literally the most expensive thing i have purchased in my life besides like a car and a house how much was it it was thirty five hundred dollars that is just it's way how much was the bike itself did you buy it used i bought the bike used so i only spent only and it was but i i did buy it in kind of Peak pandemic times, I think, still yeah. in 2021. And so I spent – it was still $1,400. And it's, I think yes. I looked recently. You can resell them now for like $800, but whatever. I mean, I've used it a yeah. ton. So the the rower was $3,500. The bike was $1,400. I bought a treadmill. It's not a Peloton treadmill, so I just bought a used treadmill. I think it was three or $400. And then I bought a set of weights – like in Iraq like a bunch of dumbbell sizes in Iraq
0: does that non peloton treadmill sit in the same room with the other two peloton things
1: mhm don't <laughs> yeah. you think they feel like crap about themselves you know what i mean I I don't personify my belongings as You know,
0: I do. So I'm now, wor- forget what other people think. I'm worried about how the treadmill feels about itself. I think
1: the treadmill feels good because I really like the treadmill and I use it. And that's the thing is like the rower and the bike, I think it, like the, the resistance and the speed is a little bit more yeah, baked into the classes. Whereas on the treadmill, like, you know, five miles an hour is five miles an hour. Like a 10% incline is a 10% incline on whatever treadmill you use. And so I feel fine about that. But, and then the-, the so that's the cost. And then the membership is $40 a month. I got a couple months free when I started on my credit card. And then, oh, I don't think I said the weights were a couple hundred dollars for that set. And I bought like a fan for out there. And it's a whole setup. It, that is one place where I will totally say it's a place my lifestyle has inflated because in my 20s, I was very cheap. I very much treated fitness as a commodity. And I would yeah. do Groupons. You know, a lot of studios will maybe do like one free class a week or they'll do like a 30 days for $30 unlimited or th- those deals for new customers that are designed to like get you in and then you're supposed to buy a membership. Mm-hmm. But I would just bounce around and try to keep that cost. I was trying to spend like less than $30 a month total with between the groupons and drop-ins and and everything. And I am now $6,000. That is just one thing I look at. And I'm like, that is so much money. And again, the the rower was... If you take the rower out, and I just had the treadmill and the bike and the, all the other stuff, it would, it would be, you know, less than half of that. But I don't know that I love my Peloton workouts. Six thousand dollars more than I loved surfing around our group outs. Now part of that was pandemic related, but I don't know. I could happily like liquidate it all tomorrow and just start going to a gym again. And I think I yeah, that's happy. interesting.
0: I think it's all relative because you could afford that six thousand dollars without going into debt, right? You paid yeah. cash for those things yeah. or you know, you could pay them pay for them right away.
1: Yeah, I did. And I
0: heard someone, I don't remember what podcast I was listening to. Oh, it was the die it was a die with zero interview. And he said something like he was talking about cookies, but I now equated this I think he then equated it to money too. But he was like, you know, when you eat a chocolate chip cookie, he he was saying for he's very focused on his health right now, and he was saying When I eat that chocolate chip cookie, I ask myself, is it worth an hour on the treadmill? And sometimes it is, right? And and he was saying that about money too. And I know this is like a big, your money or your life thing of like, is that six, if that's $6,000 to you, is it worth another week of working?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I get very, you know, I'm very passionate about. I, I would, if I heard that, I would think like, we don't have to work out to earn food. Yes. But yes. I hear I know. you. I, I do think often, of like, yeah, I spent $6,000 on all this stuff. Like, would I rather retire like a month or two sooner? No, it's fine. Yeah. And that's how I feel. I have a $4,000 treadmill. Yeah. I had
0: another treadmill that I had for 15 years. It finally broke. I, you know, will use this one till it dies. And it's a, high quality treadmill, myself and my husband, and actually now some of my kids use it Mm -hmm. and we use it all the time. It's great. I love it. it. makes me happy. It's the sort of thing where for me having a high quality heavy duty one actually matters because I use it yeah. enough and it's an investment in my health and there's just things in like the health space where I will am willing to pay for things that are workout related or for my health and like I don't go to a gym. I only you know, I go outside yeah. to do workouts or I do stuff at my house. Um, I think about this is like a different example but like I paid cash for a colonoscopy. It was like a thousand. I say when I
1: say cash I just mean like you
0: know I put it on a credit card. I
1: didn't it. think you like came in with like a little yeah. bag of money with it a dollar the sign on it like
0: a wad of <laughs> of dollar bills yeah but I pay. It wasn't covered by insurance because I was getting it a few years earlier than the insurance protocol tells me to get one. But I have a family history of colon cancer, a pretty serious one. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to know that I was good. Never been checked. And it felt really good. It was $1,000 well spent. And I think my next one will actually be covered by insurance. But I was willing to get one a few years early because it was peace of mind. And my grandmother died before I was born from colon cancer. It wasn't detected early enough.
1: I'm totally with you on a place I've definitely inflated a lot, but you know, I think it's a good thing is I will now spend like, and I'll kind of use it sometimes to justify spending on workout clothes. Cause I'm like, well, if it gets me to work out more, like if I feel more motivated to work out, then great. If you know, I've. Again, I was like, if I buy this treadmill and I use it ten times, then like, great. I bought a treadmill and I used it ten times. To be fair, I bought like a couple hundred dollar treadmill, and not a four. I would be mad at myself if I bought a four thousand dollar treadmill and I only used it ten times. But and same with like, I'm so much more willing to just go into the doctor now and be like, I don't know. Sometimes I get this weird pain on my side when I hold plank, and she yeah. was like, it's probably fine. I was like, but maybe we should do some tests. Yeah,
0: maybe we should run an
1: MRI just in case. <laughs> I got, I don't know, what is it when they pull like a wand on you like when you have a baby yeah an ultrasound i did have i did get an ultrasound in that case even and i paid for it even though it was probably not needed yeah okay all right so we've talked about a bunch of things cars houses Etc. And I think you know my point with this episode is I thought it would be fun to sort of pressure test this idea. Like we have, we all have stories that we have in our mind about like how we are with money, how our past has been with money, how we treat money now. And one of my stories has been that I have flagrantly inflated, and I've I've kind of felt guilty about it sometimes. I'm like, oh, I just really can't stop inflating my lifestyle. But having gone through it, I would say yes, that's definitely true. But a majority of it is in ways that I feel comfortable with. I feel like it's yeah. on things that I value. I think it's things that make my life better. And there are a few things that you know I probably just let get away from me. Well,
0: I don't think you should feel guilty about your inflation because you can afford it and it aligns with your goals in life. And I'll give an example or I'll double click on what I mean by that. I got to the point where I was so burnt out with work and having three kids and just not having the time I wanted for my own, for my kids, for my sanity, for everything that I had a goal to not work anymore and yeah. that was important to me. And so I've pulled back and controlled a lot of things as a result. And I was very privileged and fortunate to start off with a higher salary when I started working and continuing to, to make some pretty good solid advances over time in my salary, Mm -hmm. kind of consistently increasing my salary. And so I could afford like back to that happiness stat, right? Like I could spend a hundred thousand dollars a year in my twenties and kind of continue to keep that Mm -hmm. relatively, you know, within 10 to 20% of that as my baseline Mm -hmm. and be happy and be able to save and meet my goals. And so, I mean, I'm mixing a few points in there, but I think for you, you aren't trying to like retire in six months. Yeah.
1: And if you keep saying I'm going to, but then I, it's a lie, (laughs) but you're making a real time trade off. And I, I like, I love the
0: pioneers for this because their thing is all about like, enjoy the journey. So there's some people that are on a fire or a fire path and they're like sacrificing a lot and to to meet this big uber goal and i was able to not have to sacrifice a massive amount right yes i sacrificed bigger houses bigger cars fancier neighborhoods vacation homes etc but i was still i'm still able to live what what to me is a very happy life and meet those goals and i just often think about that with people on if you can do both like there's nothing to feel guilty about you know and i know, right, know we right. all created this environment where there's a lot of judgment and shame and guilt around how you spend your money yeah but there doesn't have to be like you should feel good and confident of like you work hard you've got a good job you still have a solid savings rate and you are planning for the future but you don't need the future to be in six you don't have six more months to earn every last dollar you make and you've got to you know pinch and save them all
1: that's a good point thanks for saying that i was like blushing i was like i do have a good job i do work hard i do (laughs) save a lot wow and you've worked towards this right you didn't
0: you know we i i say that even with myself when i'm like i made good money but i also worked really hard to get there yeah and and you and two things can be true right i could say i we both led very privileged upbringings of just having the necessities in our life taken care of and and being in a position where we had what we needed and we could go to college and other things but also we worked really hard right and both of those things can be true
1: And sometimes I, you know, I have a post that I really loved that I made a long time ago on Instagram that was like, I'm really thankful that I didn't have that much money in my 20s because I for sure would have spent it all on very stupid things. I, you know, I feel like lucky that, you know, I've said this before, like my first salary out of school, I think it was around 30K. I don't remember. It was like 28 or 32, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I didn't crack 50K until I turned 30. And, you know, it, it, it I learned some good frugal habits just because I, you know, I only had so much money to spend. And also it makes things now, I, I mean, I try to remember all the time. I'm like, whoa, if 10 years ago, me could see, you know, me riding around this nice car. We're in my $100. Yeah, like your BMW. I'm just kidding, I'm sorry. Just- <laughs> She might roll her eyes, but I think I, she'd be very surprised. She'd be like, whoa, what? Like, where'd you get all this money from? So,
0: yeah. I think she'd be proud of you, though. I
1: hope so. If she knew the full background of, you know, you didn't just fall into it. Yeah. So that's one big takeaway for sure. But we've got some others, right? Some takeaways, some, okay, we've talked about lifestyle inflation. So What? So I think one of the things about lifestyle inflation to keep an eye out for, it, the reason it can be like sort of quote unquote dangerous is because once you get used to something, it is really, really, really hard to go back. Like a month ago, yeah. I didn't have a backup camera on my car. And now I feel like I could not live without one. Yes. And so you you when you put yourself in that situation, if you get used to something nice, you will suffer a lot more if you have to live without it for some reason than if you did not have that. In the first place, I was very happy on my Target sheets, the first ones, until I got very nice sheets. And then, literally, one day I came home and the bed had been made with the wrong sheets, and I was like, I can't sleep on those. We got to, we got to change the sheets again before we go to
0: bed. Well, I mean, isn't that the backwards piece of the hedonic treadmill? The treadmill goes forward, it doesn't go backwards. Right, right. So, if you've ever been on, if you've ever been like thrown off a treadmill, you know. doesn't feel good and you don't getting thrown off the hedonic treadmill does not feel nice all of a sudden you're like oh these sheets this this low thread count doesn't feel so nice
1: <laughs> exactly
0: but in your target example though there are also times where i think plenty of people have been thrown off the treadmill so to speak and that's when you actually get a nice reminder of what's really important in life yeah. also yeah. yeah and yeah really good point point. and then I, I i've said this but it's worth double clicking on Uh, Because I've said it throughout this episode, to me, a big takeaway is, you know, the most dangerous type of quote inflated lifestyle or the creep as we've been saying is when it's through debt versus actual money that you have that's not gonna cause you to go into debt on something else. And so like I was telling you, Liz, right? If you can afford the inflation, go for it. And if you know it's in line with your intentions and values and you've you know thought thoughtfully about this stuff, it's fine. Be good. Like enjoy it. Enjoy your life. You do mm-hmm. you, right? No judgment. It's when it's in debt, when you're going into debt to do these things that I start to encourage people to question why they're doing what they're doing and if they really need it and what their goals are and all of that. And look, if you're happy being in debt, like this is a judgment-free zone, so (laughs) I'm not going to tell you you shouldn't be but most people don't like the feeling of being in debt, and right. the interest and other things associated with debt are crippling, and not most people's goals in life. And so that, to me, is where where you gotta you know watch out for a lifestyle inflation as we're talking about.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And so I I loved when we were thinking about takeaways the idea that there can be good lifestyle inflation. And I actually had a really aha moment when I was listening to a Friends on Fire episode. Um, your previous podcast that you did with Mike. And he was the one who said, oh, some lifestyle inflation is good. Like if you can't afford something that you need and then you can. And I just think he was the first, it just so much of this content is wrapped around and like how to avoid lifestyle inflation. And mm. he was probably the first person I heard say out loud, no, some lifestyle inflation is good. And I, I remember exactly where I was. I was in my car. I know where I was <laughs> driving. Which, Which car were you, you driving? Uh, my last car, not the one car. Yeah. And I, I, it was an aha moment for me. And it just made me think like there, you know, let's say you make $50,000 now, 10 years from now, you make $200,000 and you're like, I don't spend one penny more. Like, okay. You don't get a trophy like there, there's no moral superiority in suffering unnecessarily. If you could use that money to, you know, and maybe you don't spend one, money more, excuse me, one cent more because you're saving for early retirement. And that's the most important thing to you. But if going out for coffee or buying nicer sheets or going on a vacation would make you happy, like it's not better to not spend money on those things.
0: Yeah. So I there's a big Trend lately, and a couple people who have been talking about it are Ramit sethy who wrote "I Will Teach You to Be Rich," and Bill Perkins, who wrote "Die with zero I, interestingly, and in, and in full disclosure, I've not read either of those books <laughs> yet. They're both on my list. I have read but, both of them. I'll, I'll, I got you. Oh, you have? Oh, okay. Well, ironically, they're both on my list, but I'm on like the waiting list at the library because I'm too mm-hmm. cheap to buy the physical book. Too cheap's the wrong word. I don't you value prioritize those. I'm not. Yeah. Elsewhere. I, I used to spend thousands. That's an example of something. I used to spend thousands on books a year. I would just, anytime I even remotely wanted a book, I'd go buy it on Amazon without even a half a thought. And I have all these books on my shelves I don't want and need and have gotten rid of over the years. And so anyways, they both are big. I've listened to a lot of them on podcast interviews and other formats, though I haven't read their books yet. They both are big proponents especially when you have the money of like enjoying the fruits of your labor. Yeah. And that's part of the whole die with zero concept of optimizing your life's fulfillment. How does he say it? Is that it? I, I think you got the
1: gist. Yeah. I, I, I Right. I think there was, I, I mean, I think for a long time, the most like personal finance content basically meant like Dave Ramsey or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a couple other people. And, you know, he was big on like, you know, a lot of us just he was like a gateway for a lot of people kind of into yeah. personal finance. And he talks a lot about like beans and rice lifestyle and you got to like just hunker down until you get out of debt. And I think there's been a little bit of backlash, not just to him, but other people who say that of like money's a tool. It's intended to make you happy. So like, yeah, that's the whole thing is just use your money to maximize happiness.
0: And Bill Perkins says optimizing for net fulfillment. Oh. Right. And, but what I like about that is they're making the point of like, we get to the point where we're so good at being frugal and Mike's a good example about that. So it's interesting that you pointed him out for saying, for starting to shift his ways a bit, which I know he's admitted to doing, but you get so good at being frugal and saving for your goals that you actually forget how to spend your money and enjoy your life. And it's hard to make that shift because you've been, this is my persona is I'm a frugal person, right? And I remember Mike's wife actually saying to me, I'm not sure if like joking or serious, it doesn't matter, but either way, it's a good point. (laughs) Things like, was it the treadmill of like, oh, like how can you talk about fire and like buy a $4,000 treadmill? And I'm like, well, I can do both. Yeah, yeah. Right? And you- you don't have to be it's not all or nothing. And like you're, you're kind of comment of like there's no trophy for like the most frugal person. Right. If I can do both, that's awesome. Right. And, and to me, it's this personal mix of what you care about and what you don't. And like I always joke of like, you know, there's a there's some seasons in our house when I'm trying not to turn on the air conditioning for as long mm. as possible. That's yeah. actually like suffering and there'll be a point where it's kind of like a fun game for me and it's be- it's an environmental thing. It's not really that much yeah. money, so it's not a money thing. It's yeah. a little bit of a stoicism thing. Like I like to remind myself like there's people, you know, when I go visit Greg's mom in the Virgin Islands, she doesn't have any air conditioning and it's a different feeling when you're there but you're reminded of like what really makes you happy and what you need and you know anyways I could talk about this forever yeah. Liz, we are going to have a problem of doing like two hour episodes because <laughs> we just enjoy talking to each other and we could go on forever
1: well I think you can uh, I think it'll be shorter once you cut out all the hilarious but very inappropriate side conversations <laughs> that we've had that we're going to release on our Patreon That's fair. one day I've been I've been saving those for a uh, Patreon or a bloopers reel episode yeah. Yeah. Well, you touched on this. I think this is probably our last takeaway. You know, you talked about um a stoic practice which we could be here for another hour. I I was thinking about stoic practices when I was thinking about lifestyle inflation and like there there's not inherent value in avoiding lifestyle creep. Like there is no moral value to you spend more on going out or travel now versus like when you were younger. There is value, I think, in avoiding hedonic adap- adaptation, like staying off the hedonic treadmill because You're bringing yourself like more happiness, right? Like you're bringing yourself more joy if you can kind of stay off of that. And so some ways to avoid hedonic adaptation, which is just getting used to the new lovely things that you have are try going without it, right? So like you try to not turn off, turn on your AC for a little while, or, you know, it's kind of fun sometimes to say like, oh, let's not go out to eat for a month or let's, you know, I, I accidentally went over a year without buying clothes one time. That's a whole nother story. Uh, another way I think is just cultivating a gratitude practice of any kind, right? Gratitude journal, just thinking to yourself, it doesn't have to be formal. Like, oh, I really like this bed. I really like These clothes, I really feel happy when I put this on. I really will say every time I put on my hundred dollar Lululemon pants, I'm like, oh, I love these things. Maybe not as much as you do. I'm exaggerating a little bit,
0: but I do love them. And I also love. You mentioned you've had your shirts for six or seven years. I love knowing that I've had and kept and take good taken good care of something Mm -hmm. that is a quality product that I spent good money on, but that I kept it and I valued it and I didn't just. It wasn't just a passing thing through my life. Right. It makes me feel good. And that's, I think that's part of the, like, it's related to the spirit of a gratitude practice too, of saying, you know, like, I'm I'm thankful that I can afford these, that I take care of them. I treat them. I treat me treating them nicely. It's kind of Marie Mm -hmm. Kondo-ish of remember, Mm -hmm. She was like, you Mm -hmm. can't like, you can't ball up your socks and stuff. You got to be nice to your socks and fold them flat. Thank you socks. Yeah. Thank you socks for (laughs) protecting my feet. Yeah. Yeah. And I say, you know, thank you for the buttery, soft warmness and goodness. Okay. We'll keep going. Yeah.
1: No, it really, I I can't remember the name of the book, but it was um, the only practice I took from it. I remember the the book was kind of kooky about money, but one of the things they said is basically you say like, thank you to your money as you spend it. And I took that as every month when I paid my rent or paid my mortgage, I would be like, thank you. Thank you, dollars. Thanks for like giving me this house. And it, it made such a difference. That's pretty cool. I feel like I remember you posting about that a long time ago too. Yeah.
0: I don't remember what street I was on when I read it though, or which (laughs) car I was in. I've really enjoyed this discussion, Liz. I know we went long on today's, but I think these are the things about money that are so fascinating to discuss is they're multifaceted, right? Like you could have a conversation where you're saying like avoid lifestyle inflation and here's how and why and all that. It's not that simple. There's layers to all of these things. And I think it's, I you know say it over and over again, but it's personal finance. It's personal to everyone and their financial situation and their goals in life and what makes you happy. And if you're being intentional about things. And so I think, and I hope that these discussions are helpful to people because I hope it, I found in a lot of the feedback that we have received, which by the way is fantastic people were so excited we didn't really yeah. talk about that at the beginning but people were like really excited that you were one of the rotating group, myself included Liz. i
1: was really excited too yeah so, yeah we're all excited
0: <laughs> yeah the feedback is people enjoy hearing us talk about this stuff because they either don't have enough friends that are talking about it or it's just helpful to have just a real casual open discussion about these topics that's not all technical
1: Right. And that isn't on the opposite end. Like, a, it's really easy to tweet. Don't keep up with the Joneses or, yeah. you know, spend less and you make like, there's just, it's just really easy to throw out these platitudes that are going to get a lot of likes, but it's never that simple. And I yes. think that's what you're trying to do with Inside Out Money. Like, there is nuance to it. It's not just money yes. in, money out. There's psychology that goes into it. There's, you know, peer pressure, good and bad. There's, there's so much that goes into it. We got, we could talk. We, we're we going to be making these episodes for the next 200 years. It's going to yeah, be great. I know. And they're going to be long, longer and longer every week. <laughs> Okay, on that note,
0: thank you guys for listening. I know your time is limited and valuable and we both appreciate you spending some of it and a lot of it with us today if you made it this far. (laughs) If you enjoyed today's
1: episode, please give us a written review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We really appreciate it. And I mean, if you really liked it, a great idea would be to share this episode with a friend or a family member to encourage those ongoing discussions about money. I mean, we would love some competition. Maybe you start talking to your friend or your neighbor. You start your own podcast called Outside In Money. I like it. We could be a guest. We could do a partnership inside (laughs) out, outside in. You like
0: go back and forth each week between the two. Yeah. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any thoughts or questions, we always love to hear from you. And you can leave us a voicemail or text us at 404-981-3370. Or you can hit us on Instagram. You can slide into our DMs (laughs) like Liz was starting. I think we started that. You can platonically slide into our DMs. And if you want to talk about money, we will platonically talk back to you about money. And
1: yeah. Thanks, Liz. Thanks, Maggie. See you next time. Did we agree on like inside out? Not really. I just like making fun of it it's, myself. I think it can be like funny and not funny at the same time. Somehow. <laughs> okay, you're a very polite way of saying like, no, we're not. Gonna I liked that. it. Yeah, maybe not every episode.
0: Okay. Well, bye. Bye.